Episode 145, 10 Rules for Successful Long-Term Leadership. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. Welcome to The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, along with Jason Jennings here every week, diving into a topic to help you as a leader bring your best to the job each and every day. Jason, great to see you. Uh, Dale, it's great to be back with you. Hey, we'd like to remind folks really quick, uh, what we're about to dive into is fantastic. And if you want to be on the leading edge of leadership and what Jason's researchers are bringing to the forefront, be sure and subscribe in the iTunes store. We've made it super simple for you to do that. It's jason-jennings.com slash iTunes. And today we're going to talk about this idea of 10 rules for successful long-term leadership. And I'm guessing once again, this is a case where you have had a conversation with a leader leading up to one of your presentations, and you've heard something that's sparked sparked your interest. Uh, that's uh, that's certainly the case. So, as regular uh, listeners and viewers know, uh, before every speech I do, I, I spend at least an hour, preferably an hour and a half, with the CEO on the telephone. But then I make twelve other calls. Uh, I want to talk to uh, twelve other leaders, executives people in the organization who are going to be part of the event. This is an opportunity to really get my hands uh, 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 around the organization or around the company. So what happens in those conversations? What are you asking them? What are you what are you looking for? Give us a Pull the curtain back. Give us a behind-the-scenes right. look. All right. So here's a peek behind the curtains. Uh, I think that these are the three greatest questions that anybody could ever ask anyone. So when I get somebody on the telephone, uh, I, I begin by explaining why I make the calls. And why I make the calls is, is basically my statement of purpose. And I explained to them that about a dozen years ago, I was scheduled to do the closing keynote presentation for a, a big group of about 1,000 people. And there was another very well-known author who was going to be giving the speech right before mine. And uh, everybody would know his name. It's not important that I say the name. Um, And as he was giving his speech, I I noticed people texting and emailing and one guy reading the newspaper and people getting up for coffee. And I thought if that ever happened to me, I would die. Why has, has this big name lost his audience? And I suddenly realized what it was, uh, that he's probably done the same speech hundreds of times. I bet if somebody stopped him and said, which group is this, he would not have been able to tell you the group. So that was the day I raised my right hand, and I said, my competitive advantage is going to be this. For every speech I ever do in the future, uh, I'm going to talk to the CEO, figure out the lay of the land, what they're all about, where they're trying to take the company, and whether it's a company I want to be in front of. But then... I'm going to do something that nobody else does. I'm going to talk to 12 other people in the organization. So your question was, what do I ask? I ask the greatest questions in the world. So first, I state my purpose and the reason for my call. And I explain that I that I think that to get up in front of a group of people and talk to them uh, without doing a lot of homework is the height of arrogance and self-centeredness. And so I just want to be seen as somebody who cares enough to do my homework. There's my statement of purpose. So the next question I ask is, I'm not from your industry, so tell me what you do. Uh, tell me what you own. Tell me what you're responsible for. Uh, tell me about your job and explain it to me as, as a layman so I can really understand. <clears throat> and they and, and they talk and, and they tell me. 
And then I say, and now I'm going to ask you the favorite question I get to ask anybody. And that is this. Tell me your story. Uh, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? How did you pick this industry? And kind of take me through your career until you, until you got to where you are right now. And then the magical question is, what, uh, what what's keeping you awake at night these days about the business? Um, what are the potential hazards or roadblocks that could get in the way of the organization achieving its full economic potential? And then I just drain them and I say, what else? What else? What else? So really, by the time I have talked to the CEO, and by the time I have done these twelve other had, had these twelve other conversations, I mean basically my speech is written itself. Every speech I do contains five points. The five points, uh, because any more than that, uh, it would be sensory overload. And the five points I, I select from the thirty-two major discoveries we've made for our for my eight books. And so, uh, so every speech is based on. I want to talk to people about what's on their mind. I don't want to talk to people about what's on my mind. Uh, that's the height of. Presumptiveness. Uh, I want to talk to them about what what, what, what they're facing. So this week, um, I did these tw- had these twelve conversations with a company where I'm going to be doing an upcoming speech. I'm not I'm not going to identify the, the company yet because I don't have permission, but I will as soon as I've done the speech. But it's not a small company. Uh, Sixteen thousand employees, a market capitalization of eighteen billion dollars, and annual revenues plus of four billion dollars. So it's it's a big company, a big publicly traded company. And so when I was talking to the CEO, uh, he said, "Let me tell you what we practice here. We we practice servant leadership." Dale, let me ask you a question. I don't want to put you on the spot, but let me ask you a question. Uh, are, are, what, are you familiar with servant leadership, and, and, and to what extent are you familiar with servant leadership? Uh, I try to practice it each and every day. And, uh, yeah, so when you say servant leadership, one of the, the first things that comes to mind, I'll, I'll rattle off a book by, by someone else, uh, Leaders Eat Last. Yes, and, yes. Uh and I think that, um, you know, I think when leaders look at putting their employees first, those around them first, uh, that carries out extrinsically into the customer base as well. And the employees put the customers first. And it's one of the best ways to get an organization to move fast and be successful. And the crux of servant leadership is asking the question, what could I do to help you? How can I serve you? And as he went on to explain to me, he said, my job as CEO of this company is not to be in charge of anything. It's to serve everyone around me. And he said, when I serve everyone around me and ask people, how can I help you develop? How can I serve you? How can I help you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish? And he said, when that catches fire within a company, he said, it creates the most incredible culture ever possible. So I had my 12 conversations this week. Uh, Each one probably ran 20 to 30 minutes. Every time I got off the phone, I wanted to jump up and go, hooray, hallelujah. These were the greatest 12 conversations I've had. So when I was trying to come up with content for this podcast, uh, I I, I make notes, uh, silently typing away as I'm having these conversations. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to go back and I'm going to save or I'm going to highlight some of the things I learned from these incredible leaders this week at this company that practices servant leadership. And uh, so I'm going to give you the list and feel free to interrupt me whenever you want. Um, I I just think 
the, the, the most common sense things I've ever heard. Uh, but as you've heard me say before, the most common sense thing about common sense is how uncommon common sense is in most businesses. So uh, the first thing I heard in the first conversation was uh, from this executive at this company. The only thing that counts here is helping other people achieve what they're trying to achieve. Everyone here really cares about everyone else doing well. Let me ask you, Dale, how how common do you think that is in most businesses? You know, I think about the leaders I've heard who try to create an internal competitive atmosphere where they pit their employees against one another, how damaging that is to the culture and uh, how those companies really fight hard and cannot find success versus what you're about to explain to us. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I was up very early this morning at 5 o'clock uh, reading the morning papers uh, online, and uh, there was a neat story about Uber and how Lyft is just doing so extraordinarily well and really taking advantage of all of uh, Uber's missteps and their toxic culture. And uh, one article in particular listed a couple of the uh, guiding principles of Uber. I'm not making this stuff up. So one of the guiding principles and Uber was, we love to step on other people's toes. Can you imagine where that takes you as an organization? It might work for a startup that is working to fight and claw its way through government regulation, but it's not sustaining. Now, it's not sustainable, and especially when you've got everybody within the company stepping on everybody else's toes. Here's the second conversation that I had. Uh, I I love this one. I I, I think this is probably tweetable. It says, uh, he told me, it's natural to want to serve others. And here it's about the persistency and the consistency of doing that. If you don't want to serve others here, there's no place for you. But I love those words. It's about persistency and consistency. How often does the boss go off to a seminar? Does the boss read a book? And and this is what we're going to do. The memo comes out. It becomes the flavor of the month. Everybody rolls their eyes backwards, and they know, you know, they just got to indulge the guy in the suit or the woman in the suit at the top of the company, and just, you know, it'll go away like everything else. I love those words when this person said, here it's about the persistency, consistency, never giving up. You, yeah. you wanted to jump in there. I do. I, I just want to say, uh, for listeners, uh, back to the Uber conversation, if you want to go back and listen to episode 124, almost, yeah, what, what, more than 20 weeks ago, we dive into this idea of Uber's culture versus Lyft's culture. And you made some strong predictions in that, that I think pretty much come true since yep. and we're, we're 20 weeks after, but it's episode 124 for listeners who want to go back and listen to that. So I was talking to this guy in New Orleans and he said, uh, To take a team from worst to first, the first rule is to get rid of the sludge at the bottom. And uh, this is a guy in the company who's been in many posts in many locations, but he said, if you want to go from worst to first, to get rid of the sludge at the bottom. And think about how many companies have this sticky, slimy sludge at the bottom that they've never gotten rid of. And you know what? You, You cannot become a great organization until you get rid of the sludge. 
So is this a is this a Jack Welch bottom ten percent? No. What? Yeah. Let's. I want to. No. I want to get some clarity so, around this. Okay. So so what is the sludge? Yeah. The sludge are the people who don't buy in. The sludge are the people who don't want to have a part of anything. The sludge are are the people who would say servant leadership, smervent leadership. You know, touchy feely kumbaya stuff. Uh, I'm I don't want any part of it. Uh, it's 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 people who are. Uh, the poop disturbers. I mean, I mean, they—they're they, the people who are never going to be happy. They're the sludge at the bottom. Uh, you've heard me say before. I believe that more companies have been damaged by acts of internal subversion than external acts of aggression by their competitors in the history of a business, and it happens inside first. So the sludge are the people who don't want to go along with anything. Okay. okay. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, we're, all right. we're spot on. All right, four. Number four. I love this conversation with this woman. She said, uh, we don't have, I, I laugh every time I look at the phrase, we don't have spreadsheet Nazis here. You're either helping others get better or you're gone. Think about how refreshing that would be in a company. Everybody sees that. I see that your your win is my win. My win is your win. We're all in this together. Exactly. All right. Now, the next conversation, I I asked this person about the magic of servant leadership. And he said, we interview and interview and interview to make sure the person fits our culture. If they do, we can train them on everything else. We have talked about this before. The time to talk about your culture the time is, is in that first interview, because if someone is not a cultural fit or will not be a cultural fit, why in the world would you allow them into your wonderful organization? And it reminds me of a guy I wrote about in one of my books who said, a guy from Texas who built an incredible company, he said, you know, we hire hard. Because when you hire hard, you get to manage easy. And I really think the truer words were never said. So interview, interview, and interview to make sure the person fits the culture. Man, if, if, if people would do just that first, I mean, think about how much further ahead um, they would be than anybody else. The next conversation. Uh, and these are all taken from different conversations, and I, I just think they're wonderful lines. In most companies, the line is, when the execs come in, here comes trouble. In this company, it's, oh, here comes help. (laughs) And this is refreshing. I think this is going to be a foreign concept. All these things that you're happening, that you're saying, are not happening in a majority of companies in the United States. No, no. Uh, But could you imagine being in a workplace where that is the case? So I'm thinking about the execs who are listening to this podcast. Uh, this is aspirational stuff. We can do this. It's being done in other companies. And what I love is that you're talking to a dozen people and you're hearing a consistent theme. And it's uh, it's exciting. I told you, uh, I try to give myself um, a five minute break between every conversation where I can just get up and run outside and walk around uh, and, and just get a breath of fresh air. But after every one of these conversations, it was like I had just heard one of the most incredible motivational speeches I'd ever heard. I, I, I've got to get going and I got to move along here. Uh, 
So listen to this one. Uh, I remember the conversation with this guy. And by the way, I also love this. In a company that's full of servant leaders, you would eventually, just by by your very nature, uh, you'd probably have an equal population of uh, a representative sampling of males and females and, and ethnic minorities, and, and this company does. I talk to as many women as I talk to men, and they're very intentional about that. But I love this guy who said, I go weeks and weeks without going into my office. And I kind of paused. And he said, my time is spent in the field with all the leaders who work for me and asking the following questions. How can I help you achieve your goals? And how are you helping other people and serving other people to achieve theirs? He said, that's what I need to do. He said, if I do that all the time, he said, my financial controller will take care of the financials. I just have to look at them once a month, and I know everything is going to be just fine. Think about how profound that one is. Are you getting a feeling that you're you're in the midst, you're sitting on a compass that is truly dialed into True North? Oh, oh. Oh, I mean, uh, this this week has been I mean, I've been making lots and lots of calls and lots and lots of interviews for a number of speeches this week. But I mean, I've been uh, higher than a kite uh, this week. And, and you just walk away. And it's, it's like when we uh, identify a company for one of my books, you go, why doesn't everybody do it this way? I mean, it just is so right and it serves everyone so well. I love this comment from this woman. She said, the measure of a leader is what they do and how they react in a high-pressure situation. And I asked her, what do you mean? She said, well, when there's a high-pressure situation, which person comes out? Is it the one who wants to help or is it the one who wants to place blame and punish? Think about that one, Dale. No kidding. And what... What's the result of working through most of these high pressure situations could be considered a crisis by one of the players, but what's the result when everybody steps into this saying, how can I help rather than where can I place blame? Right. Exactly. The resolution is huge. Uh, How about this one? I only want one thing. I want my people to be better and stronger tomorrow than today. And I want them to be better than me. Boy, that's, now, an, that's an opener for your favorite line. Who here wants their tomorrows to be better than today? That's exactly right. And then, and this one, I asked this, uh, I asked this one leader at the company, I said, how did you, how did you not get distracted? How, where did this persistency and consistency thing about servant leadership come from? And I said, and why can't most other companies do it? And I love the response. Leadership, he said, at most companies gets easily distracted by bright, shiny objects, which is why 99% of initiatives don't work at other places. Think about that. The attraction of the bright, shiny object to the CEO or the person in charge, and then 99% of initiatives end up not working. Is that brilliant or what? It is. Okay, and then then one guy... shared a brand new word with me, and it's not a word, but it's going to become a permanent part of my vocabulary. Uh, His job is only to make servant leadership work. That's all he does. I mean, they have a huge team of people within this organization teaching servant leadership, and everybody becomes a servant leadership teacher, but this guy is responsible, and he's been responsible since day one. And he said, 
for an initiative, and we got to talk about the impact of this, for an initiative to work, he said, you need a dedicated enthusiologist at the top <laughs> of the company. A dedicated enthusiologist at the top of the company, otherwise the uh, initiatives will not work. How do you like that one, Dale? Yeah, what is, yeah, tell me about the impact. You've got to have some information on that. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, it was just, um, when I talked to this person, I said, so what, what, what's, your, what's your story? And he said, I just realized early in life, he said, I came from the hotel industry. And he said, I, I just knew instinctively that I love serving other people. Mm. And I love teaching people how to serve other people and making it who they are. And he said, so when I met with the CEO here, I, I, I told him, I said, you're going in the right direction with servant leadership, but you need somebody whose full-time job and responsibility is, I mean, a dedicated enthusiologist to move it through the organization. And at this company today, it's not up for discussion. You're either a servant leader or you don't work in the company. Um, it was a... It's been a very intense week. Lots and lots of interviews, probably 30 of them this week. And uh, uh, But I'll tell you what, the high point of my week was this dozen interviews with these remarkable company. I mean, that really gets what it's all about, serving other people. Absolutely. Okay. This is, this is one of those podcasts to go back and listen to, take notes on. Uh, you just gave us 13 points that are off the charts as far as a definition and of servant leadership. And if you had a culture in your company based on these 13 things, you're going to be killing it day in and day out. And you're going to have people knocking on your door. You're going to have the best people knocking at your door, wanting to work there. I was going to say, do you know, if, are they hiring right now? Uh, they, <laughs> they, they are hiring. And I asked them what the attrition rate is and how many people they lose. And they said, look, once in a while, somebody gets through the interview process because they've conned us. Yeah. And and they say they want to be part of our culture. He said, within a matter of weeks, uh, we, we know if that's true. He said, so we're not 100%. He said, but we don't get rid of many. But if we get rid of anybody, it's, it's very early on when they've been a poser or a pretender. He, he said, once somebody's here and serving other people, nobody ever wants to leave. So before you wrap it up, can I tell you one other thing? Please. So uh, about a week and a half ago, uh, we're out with friends, and the subject turned to the podcast. And the wife said, I just really love Dale Dixon. He's so cool. What can you tell me about him? I think he's so good. I said, he's very, very good. I said, uh, a former television radio journalist, now a big executive with the Better Business Bureau up in the Northwest. And the husband said, well, I, th and I, I said, am I doing okay? She said, yeah, but he's really, really good. And the husband said, I, th I think he's the best thing that ever happened to you. I mean, he's really, really good. So I left with my dabber a little bit down, actually. A little threatening. Right. And now I'm blushing. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I, I definitely appreciate that. And the, bl the, the blush goes with the, the head of hair. It's, 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 a, uh, it's a team effort, and I appreciate the opportunity. So you've left us with some, um, man, 13 things that I know I want to see play out in every organization that I'm affiliated with. And uh, it has been uh, – this is, this is one that's going to go down in the books, I think, is a great podcast for folks to bookmark, come back to often, listen again and again. All right. And so the final word for me, 
one of the things I would like everybody watching or listening to do is this. Um, Dale and I do this, uh, if you have not noticed, as a, as a labor of love. Uh, there's no commercials here. Uh, we don't even ask people for their email address. I mean, we just... we. We are thrilled by helping people achieve their full potential, highly principled people achieve their full potential. And you know what? You play a role in this. And so if you want the podcast to continue, then you want to grow the community. And so if you've got something today, it is your responsibility. I'm not going to say it would be nice for you to do it. It is your responsibility to share this with somebody else so that we can grow the community. So take care of that. And we've made it really easy for you to do just that. All you have to do is go to jason-jennings.com slash YouTube, and you can share the video of this and uh, see the conversation take place. Get a look inside Jason's office and... Where it all happens. Where, where it all where happens, all, where the magic where, happens. Where, where all the books get written, right here. All right. Well, with that, Jason, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to sign you off, and we're going to do just a quick bit of housekeeping here uh, on this end of the podcast with a few quick reminders for folks. But this was a great list for everybody. Thank you very much. You have yourself a great week. You too. Okay. So this is the podcast dedicated to helping leading highly principled people to their full potential. I'll tell you that Jason Jennings is the author who USA Today calls one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. You can find out how to arrange to have Jason speak at your next event or leadership conference. Learn about his fees and availability. See a brand new website. It's jason-jennings.com. Click the contact button. Follow those instructions. Jason would love to hear from you. to every email right there. I encourage you, go out, take notes on these 13 items, re-listen to the podcast, look at how you can create a culture of servant leadership in your company, and then watch the results and share those with us right here for the podcast. This is The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.